Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, and uh, it's that time of the week where we're going to do our preview show. It's the uh, 0-1 Titans visiting the 1-0 Seattle Seahawks. Keith, welcome in. Let's talk some Seahawks. Yeah, so let's talk about a football game that's coming up. That's, you know, one of the fun things we get to do on the show. So, um the Titans are coming off one of they're one of the more disappointing performances of week one. A um, lot of high expectations for them. Uh, everyone was kind of ready to give them the, the division. Like they were the favorites and then they just got pummeled by Arizona. It looked awful on both, both uh, sides of the ball. Um, what do we expect over the Titans coming in? Are they going to return to last year's form or are they is this what 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 the Titans are going to be this year? Wow, I don't know because the defense is legitly, uh, you know, not very good. It was supposed to be pretty good, and their offense is all about, you know, Derrick Henry running the ball, and then Tannehill just kind of taking care of the ball and not turning it over. Um, 
And they didn't do a good job on either one of those last week. They got soundly beaten by the Arizona yeah. Cardinals. Arizona just went in there and just racked them. And um, Chandler Jones had one of those career days where he was like, you guys are going to give me a contract whether you want to or not. I'm going to put down five <laughs> sacks on that deposit. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a shellacking. So I don't know exactly what to expect when they come into town. But before we talk about the game too much, let's talk about some of the transaction stuff that's been going on with the team. Uh, the Seahawks signed linebacker John Radigan off the practice squad. He was an undrafted free agent in this offseason and performed well enough where they decided to make that roster move. Indications are, I would imagine, on a move like that after this first game that uh, they were getting a little nibbles uh, from other teams, uh, maybe wanting to pick him off. And so they needed to make that move if they were intending to keep him around long term. Yep. Um, and then coinciding with that, I think Pete Carroll came out in the press conference and said that Rashad Penny was probably going to be at least two weeks, if not longer, on that calf strain. And um, so I would imagine he goes IR. I didn't see a transaction for that today on um, on the NFL wire, but it's it seems like it's a done deal. And then guard Jordan Simmons, who's on Seattle's practice squad currently, is looking to sign a 53-man roster deal with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, which is a good good deal for Simmons. You know, I don't know if there was a long-term role for him on this team anymore, and um, that gives him a chance to to go up and make some money. And it's a significant pay raise to yeah. go from the practice squad to the veteran minimum um, on on a 53-man roster. It's a significant pay raise, like. They, they just five times it. six times yeah it's, it, basically sometimes it depends you know because sometimes they'll pay more the guys in the practice squad a little more than they have to just to keep them happy and keep them around but um yeah it's like a minimum of three times as much yeah so, so you would on a minimum contract you'd be going from one hundred and fifty thousand a year on a practice squad maybe to 750 or so on a on a brailer 50 yeah. roster Simmons has been a minimum Simmons is his service time is low enough that I think it's going to be more like 530. Um, but yeah, he's going, he's going from, uh, you know, it's, it's significant. It's very significant as far as what, um, what he's going to make. And that's why players that are on practice squads leave. Uh, and it's not, there's no, it's not a loyalty issue. It's not a, Hey, I'd rather play for them. It's, Hey, I I might get to play for them. Yeah. You got to take the opportunities in front of you. Absolutely. So, all right, let's get into the Titans situation. So last week we faced the Colts. Colts were expected to be, by all accounts, second in the division to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee looks like it was, um, you know, had a pretty decent season last year overall, bringing most of the guys back, added some pass rushing ability to that defense kind of bolster that a little bit and everyone was kind of pegging them into as, as the number one seed out of that division, which isn't too difficult. Um, but uh, they look to be a 10, 11 win team. I, I would think on paper and now they come in and one a little bit hungry, a little bit embarrassed by their last outing. I'm sure that they've got some pride on that team. I would imagine we're not going to see the same team show up on our doorstep. Um, so Let's go over the roster just a little bit so we can have a baseline of who we're talking about. Ryan Tannehill at quarterback came into the league the same time Russell Wilson did. Mm-hmm. Um, running back Derrick Henry. We had a show earlier in the year about who's your favorite player that's not on a Seahawks 
on the Seahawks roster in the NFL, and Derrick Henry was my pick just because this guy uh, is the epitome <laughs> of a Seahawks-style running back where he's just a bulldozer and does a great job. Um, A.J. Brown is a, is a wide receiver kind of in the mold of D.K. Metcalf. In fact, they're, they're buddies, um, know each other off the field. Julio Jones was acquired in the offseason as well as Josh, Josh Reynolds uh, from the Rams, familiar to, to those of us in the NFC West. Tackle, I, and I only mentioned this guy because it's, you know, he got railroaded, but tackle Taylor Lewin um, was the recipient of all those sacks from Chandler Jones. He's, he, but he's a guy that we probably want to pay attention to because there might be some opportunities there. Uh, they picked up Bud Dupree uh, in the offseason to bolster the pass rush, as I had mentioned. Janoris Jenkins, Elijah Molden, a local kid out of the Northwest, uh, they picked up in the draft, and a familiar face in Bradley McDougal that safety was brought up onto the roster this week to face the Seahawks. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. There's not a lot there to me. Um, it's not a very deep roster after that. Um, it really tails off. And mm -hmm. um, so I just want, want to get your kind of general thoughts about what you think, what kind of team is going to show up here? Well, I mean, the team has talent. It's essentially the same team as last year that won the division. And, and um, you know, is that, but they are, it, but at the same time, they're different. There was a bunch of coaching staff turnover, uh, on, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And so you've got a, you've got different schemes running and you saw Tannehill just, it, it, he looked like a different player and not in a good way. And, you know, even with Derrick Henry, who's one of the most talented backs in the league, um, maybe the, the most talented back is as a runner. So if you exclude, um, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield and that kind of stuff, uh, he only had, like, they only ran for 86 yards. So the, the offensive line wasn't just a problem in protecting Tannehill, but it was also just a problem uh, in the running game. And so... We, I don't really know. I don't know what to, what, what to expect is to come in because the talent is there, especially you know, at skill position players. You don't get um, you don't get a better one-two punch than they've got at, on the outside. I mean, Seattle likes theirs with Metcalf and Lockett, but you know, uh, the two guys that the Titans have are right there. It's like these are if one of them is the best duo in the league, the other team's got the second best duo in the league. Uh, in my opinion. And so mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot to not I think be Ian, real excited about. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're two wide receivers, you know, against our, our cornerbacks is a fairly decent matchup for them uh, yeah. on paper, but um, I think it's neutralized, you know, for the most part um, as, as what happened with the Colts is our pass rush was just too much. Mm -hmm. um, kind of overwhelmed their timing and kind of messed them up. And I, I see kind of the same thing happening with Tannehill in this. In fact, you had mentioned on, on the last show about, um, you know, we're going to face a lot of teams and a lot of quarterbacks that didn't handle that pass rush as well as Carson Wentz did. Now, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, was, was just harassed and hit and oh, yeah. pressured and sacked and still really did, I thought, a fairly decent job considering all things yeah, considered. He, he got the ball out of his hands quick. He didn't make the big mistake and the big interception. Right, right. Um, he did his part. Um, Tannehill is 
a guy with uh, a a good arm. He's pretty accurate. He's got a lot of straight line speed. So if he gets outside, how do you like he Tannehill compared to like a Carson Wentz? To me, they're kind of somewhat in the in the same basket, if you will, in the NFL. They're they're in the same tier, but they're very different players. Carson Wentz is he's bigger, um, he's harder to tackle, uh, but he's not as fast. Um, you know, Tannehill was a wide receiver you know, for most of his time in college. He's a guy that runs like a wide receiver and um he's a little more dynamic but at the same time he's he he just he's more mistake prone and um more i i think he's a guy that that doesn't manage the pocket as well um doesn't do those little subtle movements you know sidestepping and, and things that you can do in order to step away from pressure and buy yourself that extra tenth of a second. Um, he's a guy who's more likely to get outside the pocket. But once he does get outside the pocket, he does pretty well out there. So, um, you know, they're different They're different styles of player, but they're about the same tier of player. They're in that, like, um, you know, probably that third tier of, of guys, guys that you can win with, um, definitely. Uh, but they're not... You know they're not the superstars like uh, Mahomes and Wilson, um, and they're not in that next tier of guys that are really, really good that can go win you games when your rest of your team is um, is struggling. You know, like the um, Staffords and and you know Rodgers and Brady and and a bunch of there's you know a, a ton of those guys, but or not a ton, but there's a few of those guys, and I don't think either one of them are in that class either. They're in the next one down that they're not, they're more than just a game manager, but not a lot more, you know, they're the Derek cars and there's others in, in that, that category with them. So on just kind of a superficial overall look at the way that this game is set up, it seems like the Titans would be coming in with almost the identical playbook um, in, in their pocket that the Colts came in with. Um, as far as feeding the ball to Derrick Henry, their main running back, mm-hmm. and then um, not trying to have Tannehill have to carry the load the entire time, and then um, on the on the defensive side, you know they want to limit our run, they want to harass and, and and contain Russell Wilson, um, and force Wilson, I think maybe to kind of beat them against their blitz packages and so forth. Um, and we've saw in the last game that what Kyler Murray did um, against their blitz and, and pressure and so forth. I mean, they, they did pressure Kyler Murray. I think 25% of their overall pass rush was, was pressure against Murray, but Murray made him pay. And, and Russell Wilson is the same type of quarterback as far as handling pressure and making teams really kind of pay. So if you were, the Titans coming into this stadium, what would be the game plan for you to try to eke out some sort of close game and, and maybe pull one out? Up, oh, lost Keith. No vocal Keith. Okay. So my my point was is that I think that they they are going to have some pressure to kind of keep up with Seattle again, just like uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts did in that they um, really struggled to um, to keep it going after Seattle pulled into the lead 
um, against the Colts, they were just not able to kind of sustain or maintain any momentum at all because the ball ended up in Wentz's hands, the pressure got to him, and we were able to contain that. And I see a similar situation set up for this game mm-hmm. um, where I don't know that their defense has enough. In fact, this may be one of the poorer defenses we face early in the year, at least, um, overall on paper, uh, where I think that we're going to be able to just kind of dictate terms on this thing. At least that's my the way that it sets up for me. There's really no DeForest Buckner on this team. There's, you know, Bud Dupree's, you know, a, an addition, but it seems like with Dwayne Brown out there, we're neutralizing that, you know, Shell's pretty decent on the other side. Um, and and the way that the tempo is set up with, with the offense, it's completely designed to neutralize guys like that. So um, to me, I think it's, it's pretty set up pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, what you end up with in that situation is you've got, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to come in and. Uh, what are they, you know, if you were going to beat Seattle's offensive line this year, it needs to be up the middle. It needs to be DeForest Buckner um, or Aaron Donald, you know, crushing our center uh, because our center's, you know, the weak spot. Trying to get around the outside, whether it be Dwayne Brown on one side or Shell with a, a Disley help on the other side, you're. it's not the best way to get to Russell Wilson, but that's where the strength of their pass rush is. So, so the Seahawks are going to have an opportunity to do something with that. And, you know, they run the ball pretty well. They've got yeah. some re- really good receivers. They've got a system um, that's designed to get the ball out of Wilson's hands quickly or to put him on the move. Um, so that way he can, if it's not going to get out of his hands quickly, he's on the move and running away from the pass rush. Uh, so that way it generates time. He doesn't have to sit there and wait. Um, so it, it really just kind of is – it's a good matchup, Seattle's offense versus the Titans' defense. I will say on the other side of the ball that while the Titans' offensive line is not as good as the Colts, like they're not on the same level, their receivers are significantly better than the Colts. So there is, if if for somehow they can figure out a way, maybe they mass, max protect, they keep in a back end, a tight end, ways to slow down Seattle's pass rush, those receivers are going to hurt Seattle's cornerbacks. The cornerbacks just aren't good enough. Um, it's the weakness of the defense. Um, and I think that uh, everybody knows it. And so this is a matchup on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, on the op- where Seattle's defense and their offense. I, I'm more worried about this than I was last week. Yeah. And well, and then there's Derrick Henry. So you add that to the equation. If he gets on a roll, you know, you're, you're kind of in trouble. You know, when the mm-hmm. Titans get a hundred yards from, from Derrick Henry, they're 21 and two, mm-hmm. uh, when they do not, they're six and 12, you know? So that equation is the equation. It is, it, you've got to shut him down first and, and force Tannehill. It's going to be the same exact game plan that Seattle put yep. towards the Colts and they're going to just try to do it again. And shut, it just made the best the team win. Back. Yep. Shut down the running, the running game. Cause that's what, that's their, where their best player is. And then force the, you know, non top tier quarterback to uh, beat you and then pressure that on the road, on the yeah. road with the crowd noise for the first time in 18 months or whatever it is. Oh, right? that's going to be so loud. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be I hope deafening. So. I hope it, so. It better be. It better be right. I'm sorry if you're going to this game and you haven't been able to go to a game and actually watch the Seahawks play in person 
in a year and a half. Get out there and be loud. Please uh, make an impact on the game. Just do it. Nice. So, um, you know, singling out a few of our players, um, what do you expect from our defensive line in this game? Um, you know, their center's not great, and Ben Jones is is their center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we've we've mentioned Lewin before and a few of the other guys. There's, you know, <laughs> I think it's really set up really well for Seattle. I'm just wondering. Um, you know, based on a similar game plan and maybe even taking a look at what the Cardinals were able to do effectively. Um, what do you expect? Well, I mean, the Cardinals are set up with a different uh, talent in different places and a diff- very different scheme. And and so you've got Chandler Jones coming off the edge in a way that makes it really hard for them to give uh, Lewin pre- or help because of um, the way they've got uh, you know, JJ Watt on the other side and, and, um, and, and just the way that they bring him, um, it, it makes it really hard uh, for them. I mean, if they are going to, then, then it's going to be with a back and they're going to pick him up. Um, and, and you're going to try and chip him that way, but it's, then that takes you, your, your release valve out of your offense. And so they didn't, they didn't really want to do that. Um, Seattle attacks in a different way. They attack, um, a little, um, you know, their defensive ends coming, um, from the line, not from off the line, and they they attack in uh, within their lanes. Although they do do a lot of stunts and, and twists and stuff in there too, but um, they're a much more lane oriented uh, pass rush. Because it also they seems off the run, and it also seems like so, yeah. Speaking to that, it seems like they do some bare bare front type stuff with Puna Monet and Woods in there, plus mm-hmm. a, a heavier you know five tech kind of player like Dunlap or Green or Collier. Collier wasn't in there last time, but they, they do that. And they carry the reason that they want to do that, you know, is that team can successfully penetrate the pocket as well, that, that lineup. But uh, it also keeps guys like Wagner and Brooks and Taylor and Adams um, free to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, without uh, a lot of, um, a lot of road blockage in the way to, to make plays. And, yeah. Uh, they don't, Seattle's kind of set up that way. They don't have to shed blocks because they, they've been kept clean by the defensive line. Now, they can get pressure, and they showed last week that they could. Um, I was a little surprised that they were able to get the pressure that they were using those bare fronts, um, mainly because one of their guards uh, for Indianapolis, uh, Quentin Nelson, is he's an all-pro. I mean, he's... Well, legit, he was the only guy right? that I really saw stand out on film, too. I mean, he didn't yeah, have a bad absolutely. game. You know, no. they just they worked around him, but he's, he, he's, he's good enough that he can make the people around him better. And it didn't matter in this game. Like the Seahawks still beat everybody else. I'm super line. excited. I have to tell you early signs, early indications are that this defensive line is going to be quite stellar this year, just with the sheer number of combinations that they can put together mm-hmm. and scheme wise, move, move guys around. You know, you've got a couple of, um, Asterisk players and Marquise Blair and Jamal Adams that just really are difference makers that are able to just really be instinctual players. You add Brooks into that equation too. He looks like he's going to be a player. Oh yeah. Um, That guy, this speed stands out. I mean, he's a linebacker, but he's his speed uh, that he plays with is incredible. And uh, was good, was fantastic in coverage, which was, was supposed to be his weakness, right? Coming out of, out of college. 
Um, Unless you watch his junior year tape, then you can. Uh, you know. Yeah, when he when he was playing on the outside, not in the Uh-oh. middle. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you've got um, a situation where this, uh, you know, the team is. Uh, the team's primed. They're primed to have a really good year uh, with that defensive line. And especially with this front uh, that the, um, that the, that the Titans are bringing their offensive line is, uh, like I said, it's just not as good as the Colts. And so um, Seattle's defensive line should feast in this game and, and be able to get a lot of pressure on Tannehill and be able to shut down, um, you know, what's going on there. And, and it, uh, with Derrick Henry in the running game. So it it sets up for Seattle to really make it hard on Tennessee um, to keep this game uh, rolling. So, um, you know, kind of looking, looking a little deeper um, on that. So uh, when I start, to, when I start looking at, at, at the way this, this works with Seattle's defense, um, I, I've mentioned already, my, my biggest concern is Seattle's cornerbacks against those wide receivers. And um, who do you, who does Seattle have that can cover Julio Jones? The answer is no one because there's nobody in the league that can cover Julio Jones one-on-one except for maybe Ramsey. And so it becomes a, it becomes a struggle. It becomes a challenge for um, Seattle to find ways to match. You're going to end up, you know, double teaming and keeping two safeties back and, and that kind of stuff. It's really important that the offensive or the defensive line get pressure without blitzing because Seattle's going to need their linebackers and their safeties and everyone back in coverage in order to try and take away those receivers. But if they can get pressure with just their front four, then it doesn't matter. You don't have to blitz. They can, you know, harass uh, Tannehill and, and, and really make his life difficult. And by having all the extra people back and still getting pressure, you're going to force them into mistakes because those windows become pretty small. Um, and it doesn't matter how good the receivers are if the, if the throwing windows are that small. So um, and that's really kind of uh, the Seahawks need that front front four to push and, and really make everything work. And so, you know, that's really, um, but my, my kind of key to, you know, for the CX, their key on defense is their, they need to be able to get pressure with their front four without blitzing. And if they can do that, they are going to dominate defensively. And this is going to be true all year um, where they're going to be able to dominate defensively as long as they can continue to push um, offensive lines around with just without blitzing. And so I don't know, then if we look at the other side of the ball, I mean, they're going to, they're going to have to blitz to get to Russell Wilson. And the key there is, you know, as, as Bill was saying is, can Russell Wilson make him pay for blitzing? Because when you blitz, you leave holes in the coverage behind that blitz. And if you can t- uh, take advantage of those holes, um, big plays happen. And that is really what uh, Arizona did very well last uh, week is they just, ran the ball um, when they needed to, but they really, more than anything, they just took advantage of those blitzes. They threw the ball behind it and, and, and ran up the score. I mean, it became, became a blowout fairly quickly. And so, you know, that's kind of the key uh, to the, um, you know, the key to Seattle's offense and, and being able to do that because they're 
they will sell out to stop the run with Chris Carson, but selling out to stop the run doesn't stop Seattle. Um, and you want to stop Seattle, you've got to stop Russell Wilson and the passing offense. And that's easier said than done. Um, and so, yeah, those are, those are kind of my keys. And um, Bill ran into some tech problems and he has uh, stepped out, but, uh, and I'm not very good at doing this by myself. So I'm just going to wrap it up and I'll wrap it up with a score prediction. So I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think that, uh, Seattle is going to put together a pretty complete game. Um, and I've got them winning, uh, like 31, 23. So it's an eight point win more than a touchdown. Um, uh, still technically a one score game, but I do expect, um, you know, at least one of those, uh, Titan touchdowns to come in garbage time after the game has been decided. So, um, it's going to be a fairly, I, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a fairly easy game. Seattle will jump out to a lead. Then the defense will take over and it'll feel a lot like last week where they just kind of cruise to a, to a victory. It's just a higher scoring victory than, um, than last week. Although I guess it would only be a field goal more for Seattle, but you get the idea. Um, and with that, I will, um, send you guys on your way. So, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Myers NFL. You can find Bill at NWC Hawk. You can find um, our show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Uh, find us on there. Find us at Seahawks.com. Hey. Um, and Bill's back. Hey. hey how about um, that? My entire um, system completely crashed. Like it, I know, was, I, it was nuts. I was going. I, I talked about a couple of keys to the game. I gave a score per per prediction, and since it, I wasn't sure when, if you were going to make it um, back, I was just wrapping us up. So nice. Um, well, what's yeah. my score prediction? No, do you have a score prediction real quick before no. you? No, I don't. No. Yeah, I'm okay. completely unprepared. Oh, fine. <laughs> but okay. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Uh, 30, 35, 17. See how Wow. It's. Yeah, we're just going to dismantle this team. I have 31, 23, but uh, one of those. Titan touchdowns coming at the end of the game at garbage time. So. Wow. Yeah, um, nice. So that's yeah. basically a, a, a shellacking. Yeah. Thing. Either way. So yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe, watch us on YouTube. Um, subscribe to us there. Hit the little uh, bell icon. So you get notifications whenever we um, post a new show, which is three times a week. So, and that's it. Anything you want to add before we sign off, Bill? Yeah, just sorry. Yeah, I have no idea <laughs> what happened there. I'm, I'm, I skipped ten minutes of my life, and um, I'll never get it back. But uh, I'll listen to the show and find out what happened. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Until next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.